0: I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, adversity is the mother of invention, and, or, or I can't remember the exact expression, but this is a crazy opportunity to engage with your communities and, um, and, and get them to think differently. And, but they all want to connect. Like, they want to be a part of this. So it's cool. Well,
1: help me turn the
2: turning. Well, help me get it right. Welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Stoner. I'm joined today on our very first podcast by our special guests Nancy Hobbs from the American Trail Runners Association, Mike Bone from Run Catalina, and Sean Lake from Bub's Natural Collagen Protein. Uh, Before we get into it, our podcast today is sponsored by the Endurance Race Series, owners of the largest trail racing series in both Colorado and San Diego County. Uh, they focus on half marathon, 10k, and 5k distances. If you'd like to know more information or to register, go to EnduranceRaceSeries.com. Um Nancy, um, could you give all of our um, all of our listeners kind of a background of what uh, the American Trail Runner Association is, what you guys do, how you connect um, different races across the country, and how runners as an individual can, can be a part of the ATRA.
3: Yes. So, um, hi, welcome everybody. Um, interestingly enough. So I had this very conversation with uh, somebody in North Carolina today. Um, and we were founded in 1996 at the time, there was no other association that was geared to trail runners. There was the national hiking association. There were other running groups, but nothing specific to trails. So, we've morphed from then to being a a little larger organization. And we basically have three pillars. We have uh, information for runners, we've got information for race directors, and then with brands and how all those interrelate. And every year we have a different theme and this year we have a theme of climate action, but we also have a lot of resources. um, For runners getting started we have a trail news section on our website and we have a lot of different programs. We do trail towns, we feature towns across the country and why somebody would want to go and do trail running there. Um, We have a calendar of events that's searchable and there's over 8,000 events listed there around the U.S. and around the globe. Um, so those are just a few things that we have. And we have a lot of different membership levels, um, from individual, and then of course I mentioned the brands.
2: Wow. So so people can uh, go on and become a member of American Trail Running Association, even though you're not a, a race director like like myself.
3: Correct. Correct. So we have an individual membership. A, a supporting level is twenty bucks a year. Um, and you get our, we have a quarterly newsletter and we have e-newsletters that go out. We also do random drawings. We've given away about $14,000 worth of uh, runner <laughs> race, race registrations and subscriptions. Um, and then at the $35 level, you get um, trail runner magazine thrown in. And at any level you get 20% off or 25% off actually of ultra running magazine. And then these giveaways are great. We are just we just finished one um, doing a coaching contest. Uh, that wanted a 90-day coaching package so there's a lot of stuff of value and it's really good and but our website is meant to be free access to articles and information we have a resources for coaches and camps um event standards and myriad other um useful resources for people
2: wow um which is great and and i'm glad you mentioned the the tips because we we have I mean, a lot of the people that, that listen in on this and a lot of the people that we work with um, or have see at our races um, are anywhere from that new trail runner to the, you know, the middle of the middle of the road. They're just gotten into it. Right. And we see you know, fewer of the elite athletes. So we do have a lot of newbies coming in. So I want to talk trail tips with you. Um, what are some of the things that as a new trail runner? what would be the top three things that you would look for as far as getting out and, and starting to run on a trail? Yes.
3: Yeah, so uh, the other thing that's really interesting about this, these are good tips to revisit, even if you have been on the trails. So like the number one thing is to think distance um, or it's I'm sorry. Think time, not distance. So if you're going to go out and run, say I'm going to go out and run for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, whatever that time frame is. But don't put a pace per mile in your mind because trails have a. Um, have the ability to make you go a little bit slower because um, there's obstacles and things that you might run into and also elevation changes. So that's a really key thing and, and really kind of throw that pace per mile out the window because you might run one mile at eight minutes. You might run another one in 20 minutes and think, boy, I was really moving on, but I wasn't getting very far. So you have to kind of take a mind shift and think a little bit more about what the surroundings are and the biggest thing is to stop and enjoy the views. So if you're out running, you've got to watch where your feet are planted and um, you'll eventually get that proprioception that helps you kind of guide your footwork where it's going to land. But in the interim, you really need to stop and look at the views and be aware of what's around you. Um, I, I mean, I fall, periodically now too because sometimes I'm like oh wow look at that boom you know you're down on the ground and it happens to everybody. Um, The other thing that's really helpful is to go with a mentor somebody that knows trails and give you a couple tips as you're going along and it's it's not a big deal to ask people for advice because you want somebody that gets engaged and wants to be on the trails more than just one time.
2: Wow Um, so from a uh, from a road perspective versus trail perspective, right? We, we end up seeing a lot of uh, see a lot more females at our races um, during the trail because it's, a, it's a lot, you know, you want to go out there and run with, with a friend um, as a female uh, trail runner getting into it. Um, explain, explain the importance of, of having that maybe having that running buddy or having somebody with you just, just to be safe. I mean, yeah, and that goes for, for, Males, too, but um we see a, like I said, we see a lot more females at our races and and I try and more and more i am talking to them about getting out and being out on the trails and and the safety of it um, as it as it, as that pertains to them
3: yeah and and sadly, for women, it's something that i mean we we not only can worry about some of the animals that are out there but also getting overtaken by somebody that is is there for means other than to say hello and support us, right? So I think the safety issue is something that, you know, you certainly have to think about and the awareness, you know, don't be wearing earbuds when you're out on the trail, especially if you're running by yourself. A, you don't hear anybody behind you. You don't know what's going on around at all. And if somebody approaches you, you just, you have no idea there's somebody coming along. Um, and it's a good idea to run with somebody, uh, you know, somebody else, or if you have a dog to run with on a leash, um, or, uh, you know, go to some place. you know, vary your routine. Like don't do the same, you know, 5k loop every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, don't run in, you know, at night, unless you're running with somebody or have some, um, you know, headlamp and, and, you know, the main thing is to be with somebody else. I think that's really important, but at the yeah. same time, Um, I don't always take my own advice. I run by myself like (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Um, But I'm also very aware and I go to places that I'm familiar with. And that doesn't mean that I couldn't get into some issues. Um, and fortunately I haven't gotten into too many odd situations, but you know, what can happen. So that awareness is really key. Um, I do have a lot of friends that run with like a little, um, uh, you can get them for at Amazon for like 20 bucks or like a little taser thing that you can have. It's, you know, hold it in your hand. And, and those are really, those, you know, really kind of scare you and frighten you. And those are good for animals too. Um, so I think that awareness is key.
2: Um, so <laughs> Even from the, from an awareness perspective on, I'm, I'm new um, to a a different area and I'm getting on on a new trail, right? Are there things that you would recommend as far as being aware to that, the trail surroundings or, or even just jumping onto that trail? What would be the things that you would look at um, as getting onto a trail that you're not even used to before?
3: One of the key things is to know where you are. I carry a cell phone with me most all the time. Um, and if it's an unfamiliar area, and I just got done a couple of years ago doing a series of books, uh, where to books, um, San Francisco, Seattle, um, the Front Range of Colorado, um, and Portland, Oregon. And during this time of doing these books, I went to trails, a lot of places I'd never been before. So I do a little research in advance about what the trail conditions were going to be. You know, sometimes they're closed, right? If there's a lot of rain or something, the trail could be closed. So, um, you know, orient yourself with where the trail is, where it's going. Take a picture of a map of the trail. Make sure your phone is charged as you're going out because you don't want to get a low battery and i suggest not going as far as you, like don't go out for like oh i'm going to go out for four hours on this trail um you know be prepared if you're going to do that um but know where you're going i've gotten lost more times than i can tell you and oftentimes i'll refer back i'll look at my phone i'll go oh you know there's the connector name of the trail and this is where i need to go um so i always take a picture of the sign, usually there's a, an interpretive sign that shows you the trail map, and that's really, really helpful. But in advance, if you knew, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna go to XYZ Park, you know, you could take a picture of the map that's on your, um, that's on your uh, computer and take that with you. And then you can pull it up and look. But you have to have some map reading skills.
2: <laughs> oh, always good. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Siri can't, can't uh, tell you where you're at in the, in the middle of the woods, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that's a key thing. And also, you know, let somebody know where you're going. You hear about accidents when, you know, people are missing. Oh, they didn't come home. You know, where are they? Uh, you know, let somebody know where you're going if it's an un- unfamiliar area. Um, I think that's really important as well.
2: Um, we have a question from, from Tara and asks, uh, she's fairly new to trail running. Uh, she's done a few races. What are your thoughts on running with uh, snake gators, uh, some of these single tracks or uh, cliff type trails? If I ran into a rattlesnake, yeah, it could be quite dangerous. What are your thoughts?
3: Um, so I have run into some rattlesnakes. Uh, one I almost stepped on a couple of years ago in California, um, I was out on the trails, I didn't even see it, because it looked like a pile of poop, um, because of the coloring, and it was all coiled up, and I was like, oh, and a friend of mine saw it, and said, there's a snake, and of course, I did the psycho scream, and totally freaked out, um, and you know, I've never worn any kind of gators, snake gators, but I wouldn't also go out and go along a trail or off trail that has a lot of um, uh, growth, undergrowth, um, because a snake could hide in that (laughs) undergrowth. I mean they don't want to get close to you. They don't want to, you know, they'll protect themselves certainly, um, you know, if you're doing something that's uh, dangerous to to their environment or survival. Mm -hmm. But I've seen a number of snakes, and it's not a, a great experience because I, I get very frightened. I don't like snakes. I was in Australia and ran into a couple poisonous, very poisonous snakes. Um and you just again be aware and don't refrain from going somewhere just because you think you might run into something. Um, you know, it the chances are I've been running on trails for I don't know, 30 some years. I've seen um two rattlesnakes. Um so you know, and certainly you can frequent them more depending on, you know, what part of the country you live on. Um, you know, and there's warning signs periodically there's snakes in the area. Um, you know, stay to the trail and pay attention. Um, I even look down and I'll see a stick and I think it's a snake. So I'll, you know, stop or, you know, so just be alert and be aware, but I don't think the snake gators are all that necessary, quite frankly. Um, you know, uh, if you feel more comfortable, certainly wear you know, be in what comfortable that you're on. I do know that somebody saw one once and it caused them to go off the trail, off, not a cliff, but certainly fell down, um, down the ledge of a, of a trail once. And that wasn't such wow. a good situation. But,
2: <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Um, so the, the last thing I want to ask, and we talked about this in our last webinar, was, was shoe types. Um, and we talked about the different types of trail running shoes and stuff, but there's, there are some, uh, you know, some road shoes you can wear. I mean, what's your thought process as far as road shoes on a trail versus wearing trail shoes all the time? Do you have uh, a specific direction you would, you would tell people?
3: yeah so interestingly enough we just conducted we do an annual survey with the american trail running association um, and all the results you can um, search them on our trail news section of our website and just type in survey and you'll see all these results and um, the number one shoe trail running shoe for people was ultra number two was hoka Uh, number three was solomon Um, and those have held pretty solid over the last couple years Um, and having said that You know, there's a myriad trail running shoes out there. Um, I've worn everything from, you know, Hoka to Ultra, Saucony, Brooks, and everything in between. And I run on trails. A lot of people don't have the advantage that they walk out their door and they're on, you know, 500 miles of trail, right? They have to get to a trail. So a trail, a shoe that's a good transition shoe, I think is good, something that is good on the road and good on the trail. And there's a lot of those type of trail road kind of hybrid shoes out there. Um, And I also think for women, a lot of women are lighter than men um, and they can run with a a road shoe a little easier than a a guy can because the impact is a lot more severe with a guy um, on a trail. So... Um, I think a lighter weight shoots, shoe sometime for women actually works pretty well. Um, so it's kind of a soup to nuts for um, as far as footwear. And I think if you're gonna be running on trails a lot, then you do need a good trail running shoe. Um, You know, and it also depends on your mobility. Like if you're really stiff in your ankles or you have certain issues, you need to get a shoe that addresses those concerns. So the best thing to do is to go to a specialty run shop and try on a bunch of different ones. Um, And I think the best thing is to rotate your shoes and have a bunch of shoes in your quiver. Um, I'm fortunate that I get a lot of free shoes, which is great, and so I rotate about um, eight or nine different pairs of shoes. Most people don't have that luxury, so I think if you get a couple good, you know, get a shoe that you want to wear in your races that's a little lighter, you get a good trail shoe, a good road shoe, and kind of mix it up.
2: Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Nancy, for, I mean, these are great tips, and and for all of the all of your, they, you got a plethora of tips and other uh, resources on your website, correct?
3: Oh yeah, um, and yep, that's yep.
2: and if I'm not mistaken, it's it's uh, trailrunner.com, is that? Yep,
3: perfect? pretty easy. Yeah, yep.
2: it's super easy. So yeah, if, if anybody's got any other um, questions or or things they want to know, uh, trailrunner.com or through ATRA has a ton of resources and it links through. Um, through a number of different websites uh, to get that information too. So they they are a great great partner to work with in, in the trail running community. And I really appreciate you uh, being a partner with the Endurance Race Series for the last what, four years now. I think we're at least yeah yeah. So um, but so thank you, Nancy. I appreciate it. So we're going to move right on to uh, Mike Bone, um, and Mike is the uh, owner of Spectrum Sports, which is the owner of. Um, Run Catalina uh, events, and especially, especially the Run Catalina Half Marathon, which is a partner event to the Endurance Race Series, uh, Trail Running Series here in San Diego. So, uh, Mike, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining Thank the Trail Tribe uh, this week. And um, if you could go ahead and kind of explain, I'd love to hear a kind of a background of how you got out to Catalina and how these races started, first and foremost.
1: So those are a couple different stories, <laughs> uh, but I'll make it short. Um, and, and first, let me let me just suck up a little bit and just say how great Nancy is and American Trail Running because I think whether you're a race director, a sponsor, a product, or just a runner, you need to you need to be a member of that organization. You need to know what's going on. And they I can't I can't count the number of people I referred
3: over there to at least check it
1: out. So yep, same. Uh, thing.
3: Thanks, Mike. <laughs>
1: And someday, someday, Jeff, Run Catalina is going to have Nancy over on Catalina running.
2: Oh, all right. I standing,
1: like it. It's a standing invitation that we're trying to, to, to twist her arm over. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jeff, uh, let's see. I've worked on Catalina Island off and on since 1995. Uh, starting, actually, My uh, what pulled me over there was back, back in the mid 90s. I was doing a lot of triathlons, and we took over the tri- Catalina Island Triathlon which is still going on through some uh, partners of ours at Renegade Racing. And over time, I got to know the people on the island that, that um, were managing the events, which was largely the Avalon Lions Club. So the Avalon Lions Club were using it as fundraisers. Hans Albrecht, I believe, actually started the Catalina Island Marathon 42 years ago. Okay. And the Catalina Island Marathon is the oldest uh, oldest trail marathon in California. And I think from what we've been able to tell about the third oldest trail marathon in the country. Oh, so wow. it's it's truly one of the granddaddies uh, out there and very unique for a lot of different reasons. Um, so I got started over there in 95. And in 2009, 2010, we took over management of the half marathon and the the Catalina Island Marathon. At the time we also had an Eco Marathon that was in November that went through an an entirely different part of the island, right through the middle of the island. It was just beautiful. Uh, But unfortunately about 45 years ago when we were going through the severe drought here in California, just that part of the island was taken a beating and in cooperation with the the Conservancy, which owns the island, 86 percent of the island, we dropped the Eco Marathon just it needed some rest. That part of the island just needed some water and some rehabilitation and to be left alone for a little while. Um, so currently the Run Catalina platform of events is in January, we have the Catalina or the Avalon 50 mile benefit run, which benefits the, the uh, Avalon Lions Club. Three years ago, that, that had about 200 people in it and about three, and three, I think three years ago, maybe four years ago, we added a 50K And now we have about equal numbers in the 50 mile and 50 K. So we'll get between 650 and 700 people that register for that event. Um, And then in March, we have the Catalina Island Marathon and in November, the Catalina Island Half Marathon, which uh, which is part of your series, which uh, was a great experience last year with your uh, with your runners that did come over, and I think took home all of our awards, but we'll talk about that later.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> um, so let's 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 uh, focus on the Catalina Half because that's kind of yeah. where, where we work together on our stuff. And um, so I kind of want to talk about uh, the course over there and mm-hmm. what kind of because I know the the 10k course and a half course are two really different types of courses um, overall. Um, so I, and I'd like to hear how I get a lot of questions or at least a lot of the questions I got in the first year that we worked with you guys was how technical some of those trails can be out there. And is it a lot of, um, is it a lot of single track versus a little bit more of a wider open, uh, like service road style or it, um, kind of explain the, the difference in the trails?
1: Yeah, uh, on all of our events, we're, we're talking about the half marathon, but really on Catalina, they're all, um, for the most part, there is no single track. There was on the old eco-marathon. It's, it, it's been described, not by me, but by others, Andrea Kuman and other very successful trail runners as uh, on Catalina, the perfect venue for um, an introduction to trail running. Because like the discussion we just had, you know, we get this call all the time. You can come over there and whatever shoes you're out running in right now today, you can wear on Catalina. Uh, there's not technical gear required. Um, you can if you want to, and we certainly get a fair number of those people um, that want to come over with all the technical gear, but um, but you don't need it. So it's on largely service roads, conservancy roads. Um, so the the island of Catalina is owned 86, eighty six as I said eighty six percent of the island is owned by the Catalina Island Conservancy. So we there are partners, and we don't do a lot of single track running because of the sensitivity of the island. And we don't need to, because we have these fantastic roads that are maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you. Can, anybody can come over and run, if that answers your question.
2: Yeah, and, and so what, um, what's the biggest thing you tell people is from a training perspective um, yes. with Catalina?
1: Hills, hills, and more hills. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of hill repeats, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, the half marathon, the first eight miles is uphill. Uh, it's ju- it's just it's just, is it—is it really uphill or a little uphill? <laughs> but, but it's uphill. Um, you know, there's a fault summit up there that gets a lot of people excited, thinking that they hit it until they go down a little bit and then hit it again. Uh, but there's, you know, figure that when you're in Catalina, you start in Avalon, which is at sea level. Mm-hmm. And the only way out of Avalon is up. <laughs> so, you know, you run up to... Uh, you know, about 1,500 feet or so, and 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 then you kind of cruise from there a little bit. Um, and then I think the total, I mean, it's escaped me right now, I know the marathon has a net elevation gain of just under 4,000 feet, so the, the half marathon's not that much. But, um, but then also, as you guys know, right, it's the downhill as well. I think that's what people forget a little bit is you know, we just tell people when you come over kind of like Nancy said, you know, bring your camera, you know, you have your phone, you're just going to see gorgeous views. Um, You're going to get to a part on the half marathon where you're going to see, you could, you could turn backwards and, you know, where you just came from and see Long Beach, Dana Point in LA, and then look out on the other side of the Island and see San Nicolas, San Clemente Island. So, um, but you're not going
2: there to set a PR. Yeah, I can imagine. So what, um, so there was a question that was in the uh, group chat before we even got started about because that's the thing a lot of people either know or don't know about Catalina is the herd of buffalo that's out there. So right. how, like do you normally see on, on the on the trail and the, during the race is there usually um those that's that visual of the buffalo herds out there? So it's very
1: very uh uncommon to see them on the half marathon course that's that side of the island it's very common to see them on the 50 miler and marathon course they're more in the towards the west end and the middle of the island but yeah we see them all the time
3: Uh, and
2: how do you
1: do you know how many are are kept out there at any given time it's around 250 i mean there's rangers um that that uh monitor that and they take them every once in a while when the herd grows so big, they'll take them off and, and uh, actually send them back to South Dakota, which is where they track that they were originally from. So um, uh, yeah, it's quite a process. They bring a shaman out to bless them. And, and uh, it's, it's quite a pretty cool process, but it's around 250 that they keep out there. And, and they're wild animals, right? I mean, you gotta, we have to tell, matter of fact, we had a, we had a young lady come in two years ago that, wanted to take her picture with the Buffalo and she came in with her shorts torn and paper, you know, um, safety pin together because the Buffalo didn't want to take a picture. Um, you know, they're, they're real animals. So.
2: Yeah. I, I, um, I tell that to people that do our snow mountain ranch race every year as well. And that's that race year in and year out up in winter, the winter park area, we always run into uh, moose and it's, really cool when you get a chance to see them, but you never want to get too close to them, especially if it's a mother that's got her kids next to her. Right. So we had, um, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, the lead half marathoners, the first, the first and second place, um, half marathoners, um, were running around. I think they were getting up to mile, they were right at mile 11 and a half mile 12 and all of a sudden a moose runs right across the trail course and starts running side by side with the first place guy and as he explains it to me it was kind of one of those he could feel himself veering further and further off the trail so that the the moose wouldn't continue to get closer and closer and finally I think there must have been some kids um, some moose children over there um, and then the moose just kind of veered off to the to the in the other direction but he said it was the scariest moment he's had for like that two almost like 90 seconds to to two minutes yeah he didn't know like it it could go either way and it's like do you stop do you not stop type of thing right and so he uh we've that's the only time that we've ever gotten somebody's ever gotten that close to one of our moose but we we see moose out of our our snow mountain ranch event all the time and it's 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 just
1: it's part you know i mean it might be the same for you jeff but it's part of what they're looking for. That's part of what brings the athletes over is that exactly. you, know, you want to see a bald eagle. You want to see a Catalina Island fox, which is endemic only to Catalina. And you want to see the bison. Um, and, and they're pretty cool when they're out there. And, and we, we work with the Rangers, you know, we try to, we, we do manage it. I mean, there's times we'll hear on the radio, hey, we got two bison standing right in the middle of the marathon course and got to get the Rangers out there to, you know, chase them away. But, um, but they're they're actually pretty cool and they're pretty docile unless you rile them up or get between a cow and a and a and a calf
2: <laughs> um so let's let's get back into here um, <laughs> so from a because you and I are in the same thought process when it comes to our aid stations and the coupless racing and all of that stuff, um, especially being out there in Catalina um, give give some of the um, runners here kind of an idea of what the, what they can expect from the aid stations out there, and then really what you do with your aid stations um, from kind of keeping it sustainable to some degree.
1: Yeah, so right, we, we can't talk about that right now without talking about the current situation we're in and the unknown future going forward with, uh, with aid stations. But uh, five years ago, we decided to go coupless after coming out of one of the um, Amer- US trail running conferences. And coupless was kind of new at the time. And we said, let's try it. And I actually talked to some of the older runners that have been with us. So, you know, we we have people that have run. We have we actually have two people that have run every single of the 42 Catalina Marathon. So I said, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? And their reaction was, I thought you would have done this years ago. So we are a completely coupless race in the interior. And starting this year are going to go coupless with... Um, with the five and 10K also. So you have to bring your own hydration system, vest, cup, uh, bottle, whatever you have. Uh, if you don't have one, we have them to sell to you. Uh, and, and it's not, look, we're not making a lot of money. on So like five bucks, six bucks for the little uh, collapsible cups. Uh, we also have Nathan as one of our sponsors and they've been very supportive of this. So that's the biggest change we've made. There you go, that's what Nancy has. So yeah, so the biggest change we've made is, to, is the cupless part. The other part of the aid stations at Catalina take on a little bit of the personality of their own. I mean some of these guys and organizations have been running a certain aid station forever. So whether it's the high school group or the the Lions Club or the Rotary Club and you know you hit the the Eagle's Nest bluegrass station on the marathon and they have bluegrass playing and they're they're barbecuing bison burgers and You know they have the full bar and the beer, and I don't know why somebody wants to do a shot at mile eighteen, but they do. Um, so you know, it's just part Whatever gets you through, man. <laughs> no, part of the trail running part, but it, it's a it's just a tremendous amount of fun. Um, and then this year, you know, I really was convicted at the last trail running conference and at Running USA this year about the uh, being sustainable. So we. Um, We had partnered, Now I should say our Catalina Marathon was canceled three days before, so the governor's order came down on Wednesday night, is right before the Catalina Marathon. So uh, we'll probably roll this over for the half marathon. Uh, But we're working with the Council for Responsible Sport to get that certified. And uh, I'm fortunate that my son is a graduate in uh, sustainability from from University of Colorado Boulder. is helping that process, um, because some of that's kind of Greek to me, but it's important that we do this. And I think it's, you know, frankly, it, it should be in trail running, right? I mean, trail running, it's the ethos of trail running. It's what trail running is about. You should be sustainable out there. You should be self-contained, frankly. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know your reaction, Jeff, I, I think we've talked about it, but in the five years, I think I've had three emails, and I can remember each one of them that said, you know, you rotten people I'm. if you're going to make me bring my own cup, I'm never doing your race again. And it's like, well, good. Go do the LA marathon.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I've, I've been lucky. The, so we start, we've kind of started that process last year um, with our races in Colorado and and did a couple of races in California or uh, San Diego here as a couple of races and 2020 is scheduled to be a hundred percent coupless. And so, you know, for the races that we did have, I think we ended up with, out of all of our races, we ended up with five of them that were coupless. And I, we didn't have one person complain. It was, I think that's that's the beauty of the trail running community, right? Is those runners understand. And it's really the, the the crossover runners that are coming in, maybe doing their first trail race from a road race that really don't understand it. And well, why would, just like you said, well, why would, why would I have to bring my own if you guys are setting up an aid station? So I think we're lucky enough that our community is really at the forefront of under like, understanding that whole entire um, direction of becoming sustainable and and trying to limit the amount of stuff that we're we're offering out there at the. Uh, at the aid stations as far as cops and everything else. So I think we Yeah, been... no, I think you're
1: exactly right. And I think, right, the, the, the hidden little secret for guys like you and I on the race directing side and any other race directors on the, the, this call is that once you make that commitment to going sustainable, it's actually easier, right, in a lot of ways. I mean, right. that's what I was finding as we prepared for Catalina and what, what Matt was helping me with is it's less expensive. You need fewer volunteers um, it's a little more work to separate, you know, some of the, the, the trash and the sustainability, but I mean, oh my gosh, you know, just the cleanup from not having to pick up cups all over. I mean, we used to have on on every Catalina race, you know, so you have your SAG following the last person. Then the next day we had another detail that came out just looking for cups and bottle caps and everything that have been thrown down on the side of the road.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's great. I mean, we, we're we not going back. I mean, we're going more and more in that direction. Our partners at the Conservancy have a green certified building uh, over there. It's a huge emphasis on Catalina, and we're just gonna keep doing more and more in that direction. Nice. Um,
2: Nancy, I'm gonna have a question for, I'm gonna come uh, come back to you in a second, Nance, but I, I wanna finish out my conversation with Mike here really quick, because I, I wanna get your take on the couplets and sustainability and stuff like that from the ATRA perspective. But Mike, I wanna finish up, so one of the big things that people have to understand with the Catalina half marathon or even the full marathon is the travel out to that race. Yeah. Um, so explain the, like the differences. I, I, when I went out to the, the, the two times I've been out to the half marathon, um, once a few years ago before we had even really met and, and then last year, um, I was lucky enough one time to be out there staying the night, the night before. And then this last time I, I took a, the ferry over, um, over the morning of. So kind of give people a sense of what they should expect from the travel, from, from timelines to, you know, the ferries to what, you know, how hotels work with you guys as far as the race goes, if they do.
1: Yeah, uh, no, that's a good question. So Catalina Island is located 22 miles off of Long Beach, LA area. The best way to get there is on the Catalina Express. It's not the only way, but it's, it's the best way. So the Catalina Express, depending if you're coming out of Dana Point or Long Beach, is approximately an hour and 15 minutes. Um, for the Catalina Half, where we worked with you guys, we, we position that race to start at eight o'clock so that you have time to, get, to come in in the morning on the 6 a.m. boat, if you would like, instead of having to spend the night because, because it's a burden, right? It's a resort town. Uh, but the, you know, the rooms are not inexpensive, generally. So the half marathon and 10K, you know, and our 10K super popular over there. Also, you can come over and do it that morning. So you go to Long Beach, Dana Point, uh, or uh, San Pedro. Or you can go to Dana Point also, and you come over. And once you once you dock at the mole, you're 400 yards from the start line, uh, and that's the nice thing. And that's I could tell if somebody's not from California because they'll call and say, do I, do I put my car on a ferry or do I get a taxi when I get, (laughs) and when I hear that I know they're from Washington state or something like that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, and that's really great. I mean, there's lockers out there if you need them Uh, again, given our community, we kind of have an honor system bag drop area um, which has never been a problem. So you can, you can come over, uh, get on the boat. It's part of the experience, frankly, of the whole day is on the boat, come over. You have some time to walk around, stretch out, pick up your bib if you need to. And at the, the stage where our check-in is, the start line is less than 100 yards. So you just walk over and go. Um, and you come back to the same finish line. So it's not as complicated as you think. Now you can if you want to make a weekend out of it. And you were talking earlier, Jeff, about uh, women in trail running we've been thrilled that we're we're just over 50 percent women uh, uh, Almost all of our cat well not the 50 miler but the half and the, the marathon just over 50 percent women uh, which has been great to see because you know they women tend to travel in groups and they come over and they just have a lot more fun than the guys it looks like so you know <laughs> they're coming over with their running groups and their workout groups and stuff and um, so you see these big groups come over that also stay for the weekend and kind of make a make a whole weekend out of it we have um, on our Run Catalina website that I put I put in the notes here um, we have our host hotels that work with people you know there's a variety you can get some down and dirty just I just need a bed and a shower hotel to these really expensive resorts um, and we always welcome people to call us if they have any questions because it's hard to tell from a Yelp of review or hotels.com what you're getting into and what you're looking for Another great way that's overlooked a lot is a home rental. And again, in this COVID-19 world, we got to see where that plays out here with the state. But people that are coming over with groups of three or four or families, when, when my boys were younger, we'd go over
2: and rent a house. And, uh, and
1: that's a great way to go.
2: Wow. Now, the if I'm not mistaken, Long Beach is actually the only uh, port that actually leaves early enough in the morning. I think
1: you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. The other, the San Pedro and uh Dana point but you have to come over the day before.
2: Yeah. Cause they, I don't think their first boat leaves until like 9am. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Whereas the long beach will leave at 6:30 or seven o'clock in the morning, whatever it is. Yeah, but, I think
1: it's a six or 6:15, and then you get in the,
2: you get to the Island an hour 15 later. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Mike, for, for being with us. And, um, as I said before, uh, the Catalina Half Marathon is part of the Sunshine Series um, here for our San Diego races. Um, so, if you purchase a season pass, um, if you purchase a season pass, then that race comes with that as well. Um, oh, uh, so Colleen had one more question, Mike. She said, "How far in advance should uh, everything be booked?" Do you know? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: we're not in the, the big seasons. So, but I would say for November, I would be looking to book it midsummer. summer. And right now they're, they, we, they just put in an appeal with the state, given that it's a tourist economy to um, fast track to stage three opening, which would allow the hotels, the leisure and vacation hotels to open. So just keep your eyes on that. We hopefully, I, th- I think they expect an answer early next week.
2: Got it. Well, again, thank you. Um, runcatalina.com um, is all the information there. Uh, you can also find links on the endurance race series website and Sean, really quick before I get to you, I do have one more quick question for Nancy and I want to go back to um, the, the Trail Runners Association and your thought process on uh, where you're seeing some of those race partners that you've got with the, the, you know, coupless and the sustainable aspect of it. I'd like to kind of get your, your take on it.
3: Yeah, well, interestingly enough, we, we also did a survey last year on trail work, um, and we found out that, I mean, this is, Part and parcel to the sustainability piece as well, um, a lot of times as trail runners, we think well we don 't do any damage why, you know why, what do we need to do for the trails? you know we, we use them and we don 't need to, to do much for them so um, you know the mountain bikers have always been those that have really banded together to really work on the trails and we found through this survey that um, a huge percentage over 50% never worked or did anything on a trail for maintenance um, ever. And there were obstacles, you know, time and commitments, but also they didn't know where to go. So one thing that's really easy for trail runners to do, to pitch in is to start plogging. <laughs> you know, carry a bag with you when you go out onto the trails on your runs um, and Uh, wear at least one glove, you know, so you're not so weirded out about picking up trash, but um, that's one way to really help um, within the trail community and make a little bit of a difference. But to the point of sustainability and and using recyclable or terracycling, GU has a terrific program with TerraCycle. Um, and that's something to, you can, uh, save your goo wrappers and all these other kind of wrappers, um, and then send them back for free and they'll Terra them. Um, the other thing that's really important is upcycling. So before you even get to an event as a race director, you can Um, Unpackage a lot of things that come so that at your event you don't have all this trash And I think a lot of times you want to get to that zero waste And I think you know Mike mentioned it a little bit with the Council for Responsible Sport There's also Athletes for a Fit Planet and Mike's son is also doing a project as well And has a website that maybe Mike you could type um, your son's website in there, too but um, all these factors together are really important and we have to work together as a community, but I think the coupless is is fantastic, um, and there's just little things you can do. It's hard if you have a list of twenty things. I'm going to implement all those, right? Um, even as a you know as a runner, um, if you can take one or two, you know, just take baby steps. Um, I mean, you're not going to run up a, a mountain the first time you put on a pair of trail running shoes. So it's the same thing with any kind of work or sustainability you're doing with trails.
2: Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Nancy. I really appreciate the insight on that. So it's, I've been. You know, I kind of, I missed out on the uh, trail running conference this year, so I, I didn't get a chance to listen to all of the the talks about that. So it's kind of nice to hear that from from your perspective. So, all right, we're going to move on to Sean Lake with Bubs Naturals. Uh, so Sean, thank you for being out here. Um, so the the backstory of Bubs is is amazing, and I, I love it, and I I want you to go ahead and share that um, with everybody and kind of because you also donate. Uh, part of your proceeds back to charity as well. So, and I know that all ties into the backstory of the company. So before we even get in started with, you know, collagen protein and everything else, please give everybody a, uh, just kind of a backstory of, of how Bubs came about.
0: Yeah, I, we'll do. it. And first off, I, I, we keep circling back to Nancy and there's a reason for that. Um, I did a little side Googling. If you guys ever saw my eyes shifting over here, it's because I went into the website for ATRA um, went into the Ultra sign up and it was super easy to join. So I'm now a member. I was not a member before. Yeah, but As of about 30 seconds ago. Um, so so over to Bubs. Um, I've known Jeff Stoner for about nine years now, um, and and we met through. You know, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, man. I did some math, and, and we we met through the this sport called CrossFit, and and Jeff and I both dabbled in CrossFit. And we've always sprinkled in running. I've been a runner my whole life. And I found that from a time management side, CrossFit was great. Well, the guy that introduced me to CrossFit was my oldest friend from high school, a guy named Glenn Bub Doherty. Uh, We went to high school together in Massachusetts. We moved to the mountains of Utah together. And we were in our mid-20s, a couple of ski bums in Utah. And we both decided, boy, we, we can't do this forever. All of our friends have gone to college. They've all got degrees and families what's next for us? And I said, well, I'm going to go back to college. I've got my career path. And Glenn said, I'm going to join the Navy and become a Navy seal. And this is not a very common career path, uh, but Glenn's a very determined or what's very determined individual. And he went and did that. And he served in the U S Navy for 10 years. So my ski bum buddy from high school went on to this uh, decorated career uh, in the Navy As a result, Jeff, myself, we've all come to know a handful of Navy SEALs who used to work with Glenn. And when Glenn got out of the Navy, uh, he was stationed in Encinitas. And so we we were around each other. He was in Coronado. I was in Encinitas. And we all worked out together and kind of reconnected through CrossFit. Well, Glenn was a contractor in the CIA and was unfortunately killed in Benghazi, Libya. So some of you might remember the terrorist attacks that killed the U.S. ambassador. Um, the, The Benghazi attacks had a movie called 13 Hours that came out. And unfortunately, Glenn was one of the people killed there. So when Glenn was killed, of course, he was a member of the gym that Jeff and I went to. And I was the executor of Glenn's estate. So I was in charge of his legacy and his memory. And we started a foundation initially to help spark Glenn's memory. And that foundation was designed to help special operators and their families transition out of the military to civilian life, primarily through scholarship. Jeff has been an amazing partner to help facilitate some fundraising initiatives. Every year we do a big workout and a barbecue and Jeff would really rally the cause to raise money for the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. And I'm thinking, you know, this is my roommate. This is my best friend since I was 14 years old and here we are trying to do good in his name. Well, in 2017, you know, it'd been almost five years since the Benghazi terrorist attacks and we're all still going through the same motions, but the, the foundation kind of plateaued there wasn't the interest, there wasn't a major Hollywood movie, no more congressional hearings. And, we were just kind of left with this idea of what else could we do for fundraising around that same time, my wife introduced me to collagen and protein. Um, my wife's a, a little bit younger than I am. And she said, famously, Sean, you're not getting any younger. So you're going to start taking this stuff. And I didn't know what it was. She bought a jar off of Amazon and I just looked at it and it said hair, skin, and nails. And I said, I don't care about any of that but then it got interesting for me. There was a line below that that said joint health, muscle recovery and gut health. And I was like, well, those are three things I'm really keen on. Now at the time I was 45 years old. Um, I, I think I've already mentioned I run a fair bit. Uh, I'd been doing a lot of CrossFit, outdoor, you know, mountain biking, surfing, you name it. Um, despite my background here, I'm not actually on the beach right now. Um, but what was important is that I saw those perks. And I said, well, I'm curious about that. So I, I did exactly what my wife said. I took the collagen every day for 30 days straight. And I noticed something, something I've never noticed with glucosamine, creatine, whey protein, uh, hydration formulas, you name the supplement. I've never really noticed a long-term effect on my body, but I did with collagen. I noticed in 30 days that my fingernails were growing like crazy, which as a guy, you really notice because you don't want to have to find the nail clippers. And my hair was growing. And and not that I have a hell of a lot, but I like what I've got. And it was growing longer. So I said, boy, here are two data points of this product that work. Well, about six weeks into it, again, daily use, my knees stopped hurting. And that was it. I was in for life. I had a very distinct moment. Uh, we'd been running for a week straight, we did like literally seven days straight, five, six mile runs. I hadn't done that kind of volume in a long time. And I felt great. So I said, that's it. I'm a customer for life. I'm I'm in. And the spark for Bub's Naturals was when I shared the story of how I felt from taking this very simple product, collagen, and I shared it with my future business partner. And he said, well, let's start a company. We made a joke about it. And we both said, well, let's do something cool for charity that has to be the baseline of what we do and then the spark for bubs was born from that i said well this is just the kind of thing glenn would have taken glenn you know and i both had a lot of wear and tear in our bodies and we'll give 10 percent of everything we do to glenn's charity and it was a bit of a social experiment so feel great with a great quality product do good you're always going to help someone else in the process And I mean, heck, Jeff, you were there from day one. You saw the first tubs come off the line. Yeah,
2: I know. It's been a hell of a ride for you guys, for sure. It's been a wild couple of years, yeah. So for people that don't know uh, what collagen protein is, could you kind of give a little bit of a uh, a lesson on the collagen and then kind of separate it out from whey protein as well? Yeah. obviously the, the big protein that a lot of people are used to and know so yeah. i 've seen a over the last you know few weeks and this is why I wanted to get you on here is because i 've you know as i 'm going through our social media accounts and through some of our other running uh, group uh, social media accounts, I noticed one of the key things is people are starting to talk about proteins and collagen and, and what is collagen what how would it work for me and everything else so I thought it would be been a great opportunity to get on here and give some backstory of actually what the difference between
0: collagen and whey is. And yeah, no, no problem. That's um, It's actually remarkably simple. Uh, collagen is the most abundant protein in all of our bodies. So everyone on here, if you think about the protein count in your body, the m- most abundant one is collagen. Why is that? Well, collagen is a binding protein. It's effectively like the glue that holds all of us together. So Think of all of your connective tissue and how much of your body is made up of that. All of your skin, your hair, your nails, your bones, uh, your muscle, and of course in your intestines and your joints. So those are all connective tissues that have this protein in them. The difference between collagen as a protein that is naturally found in the body over time compared to say whey protein is collagen is already naturally in your body and you lose collagen year over year after you turn between 20 and 25. So if you're 20 years old, I will not sell you collagen. I promise you, you don't need it. You're pumping out plenty of it in your body naturally. Turn 25, all of a sudden, little signs of wear and tear start to happen. 30, 35, 40, 49, it really starts to affect you. And supplementing with collagen is a nice way to offset the depletion that is naturally occurring in your body. Whey protein is dairy derived. It is considered a complete protein, meaning it has all of your essential amino acids plus tryptophan, whereas collagen, because it is a binding protein, lacks the amino acid tryptophan. So don't think if you take collagen, you're going to get huge. It's not your muscle build. It's your muscle recovery. It's your joint health. Whereas with a whey protein or, or a, a, you know, a solid plant protein, like a pea protein or a brown rice, um, doesn't have to be whey, you're getting a more complete protein. Well, that's great for your muscle build, but it's not going to do the same things for your joint health. And it's not going to do the same things for that recovery, your gut health, your bone density, those other connective tissue benefits. So I like to think, hey, if you're into whey protein and you want to get big, awesome. Collagen is a great complement to that because it's gonna still help with your recovery and it's gonna do great things for your joint health. And we're all in running. We know what the impact is on our bodies. We know the wear and tear that we experience and you wanna mitigate that as much as possible. And of course the cosmetic benefits on tighter skin, fuller hair, stronger nails are are great also. Um, As someone who likes to live a life outdoors, I don't care about that, but it's a neat perk to have too. Um, and then, of course, what is collagen? Um, collagen is derived primarily from bovine hide. So, I'm sorry to any of the vegans out there, but you should have full disclosure going into this one. Um, it's an upcycled portion of the cow hide. So that connective tissue of the cow has all these amazing amino acids in it. Up until about five six years ago, that was thrown away in uh, you know in the meat process. Now it's being upcycled into collagen. And our goal at Bubs was to make the most unflavored and highest solubility collagen that we could get on the market.
2: Wow. Um, so let's, let's bring this into the running community. Um, yeah. so I know like I actually cook with, with bubs, right? So I, I make a lot of my dinners with it. I just put a little, little teaspoon in it or tablespoon or just, you know, just a little bit, even whatever I'm making just to kind of help out. Um, but so how can, what's the best, what's the best way for, you know, like a, a runner to, to get in, you know, to really get into it. Is it from a, you know, a drinking it perspective, is it a food um, type of thing that you would suggest? And then also to that same regard is how would a runner use it in the recovery process?
0: No problem. Um, so, and there's going to be a question over in the chat so I want to get to in a second. So, the, the key with collagen is the routine. You can't take it once and, and get the effects from it. So you could take away protein once and it'll offer a little bit of recovery benefits. With collagen, you have to build it up over time. So when I said I, I listened to my wife and I took it every single day for 30 days and then again for the next month, that buildup over time allowed me to see those, the, that reaction in recovery and that reaction in, in joint health. So how I took it is, of course, personal to anyone out there. It's the heat tolerant protein. So you can cook with it, which is great for you. So, hey, if you're an oatmeal person in the morning and that's your go to throw it right in the oatmeal as you're cooking it, throw your two scoops in there, which is 20 grams. You don't taste it and it goes right into your daily routine. I'm a coffee drinker, so I put it in my coffee every morning and I like my fancy cups of coffee and my drip press and, you know, all that good stuff. And I enjoy my coffee and this doesn't ruin my coffee, it complements it. So I'm a huge fan from that standpoint. Well, if you don't drink coffee and say you don't eat oatmeal, maybe you make smoothies, great. Smoothies are, you can't go wrong with a smoothie. All right, well now we're hitting all your kind of breakfast areas or your evening routine. Maybe you make tea at night or maybe you just drink water. I mean, everyone drinks water. As long as the water is not ice cold, it'll go right into water. So whatever your daily routine is, you can fit collagen into it just like you fit a multivitamin in, just like you fit you know, brushing your teeth in the morning. It's just a matter of your individual habits. I'm coffee, so I take it first thing in the morning, start my day with it. When it comes to your recovery, um, and, and this, is, this is really important, because of the amino profile, and we're talking about proline and lysine, they're two amino acids anyone can kind of Google and do a little bit of research on. Um, they aid in recovery, because they work on your connective tissue. Um, Think your tendons and ligaments and just adding some reinforcement there. So these essential amino acids, because their content is so high in collagen, they're gonna really aid in that recovery process. So run a big run one day, you're gonna feel a little bit better the next day. Again, it's not the first day, you have to build it up over time. Um, But that is super key. So yes, on the inflammation side, Uh, primarily because you're going to be using a lot of, there's also a lot of glycine in there. Another essential amino acid that produces synovial fluid helps with joint lubrication, joint mobility. So it's really going to help that cushioning and it's going to help your flexibility. It's going to help your mobility. Um, All of these things, amino acids all complement each other to, to create that kind of overall recovery, but independent of your activity levels, it's a daily supplement. It's just like you would take a vitamin. You wanna, you don't want to skip a day. It's, it's just something you build into your routine. And then after that two month period, if you don't feel anything, um, one, I'd be shocked. Two, uh, you know, you're inhuman. I love it. I'm jealous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so from, because I know you guys, you know, there's no uh, with whey proteins, you get a bunch of different flavors of stuff. The, bubs is a straight no flavor collagen protein correct
0: yeah that that was super important to us i didn't want to go to market and say hey you eat oatmeal you drink coffee you like to make a pot of rice and put a cherry flavor or a different flavor on uh, you know out there that's going to really segment how people can take the protein but if it's a truly unflavored product you can work it in however you like to. You've got those options. And that was important to us. We wanted a really unflavored, highly soluble product that could just drop into your tea, your water, your smoothie, your oatmeal, like I said, any of those examples.
2: Nice. Now, you guys also have, um, you're not only just the protein powder, you've also got MCT oils, correct? And what are some of, like, as far as training and recovery, with the MCT oils, how does that factor in as well?
0: Yeah. So, so where collagen can help with things like inflammation and, and you're recovering your joint health, the MCT is going to kick off on the energy side. So think healthy fats, um, our MCT oil, which is, that's coconut oil. So this little tree behind me, the coconuts from that are then turned into medium chain triglycerides, the MCTs. We take that MCT oil, spray it into tapioca starch. Tapioca starch is this really sad little benign root vegetable with almost no nutritional value yet. It's a great sponge and it allows that little hint of coconut to to drive through from a flavor perspective. And it's a great non-dairy creamer. So again, coffee drinker, and I'm looking for extra energy, not caffeine spike energy. I want energy over time. And that's really where MCT comes in. It's a healthy fat energy source. It's going to drive over time. And it's great for mental focus. So crisp, clarity, energy. So think of the protein over here on the recovery side, feeding your body. And then you've got this energy source that's gonna help get you out doing the job. So if you've ever heard of a bulletproof coffee um, or like those high fat coffees, effectively we call it the Bub's brew. It's a bit of the collagen and the MCT together and you've got your protein source and that great energy source.
2: Now, would you, would you recommend, uh, let's say we're getting ready for a race. Would you recommend, uh, somebody taking the MCT pre-race, right? And if so, like how, how far in advance would you suggest that? And then once you're done with the race and you're getting ready, you want some of that recovery and, and to help out with some of that inflammation, what's the timeline of getting some of the protein in?
0: No problem. So if you've never taken MCT before, the day of your race is not your day to start. Um, I recommend that everyone onboard anything new dietarily, and I'm not talking about our products, I mean in life, and you, you test it in, a, in kind of an environment where you know you're going to be okay. Like, hey, I'm going to try this new thing called MCT. Well, try it when you don't have anything to do that day so that if you do have an adverse reaction, an upset stomach is one of the most common side effects for, for about three, maybe 2% of people that take MCT. There's a fine line of how much you should take. If you've already onboarded MCT into your life and, and, and you're, you have a good reaction to it, send it right before the race, up to 30 minutes prior. If you drink coffee beforehand or a smoothie, whatever your morning nutrition is prior to the race, uh, you, you really can't go wrong. If you're not used to it, don't touch it. Um, when it comes to collagen, similar to what I said before, it's really about taking it during the day, not when during the day. So if you have collagen in your daily routine, then the morning of the race, you could take it before, or you could just wait and take it afterwards. You could take it at night before you go to bed. The fact is the collagen you've been taking for the months prior is already going to be in your system doing its job. I like it first thing in the morning. So before I do a race, before I go on a run, I load up on MCT and collagen so that I've got that protein source in my belly and I've got the, the healthy fat energy that's going to drive me you know, to find that extra gear, hopefully.
2: Nice. Now, Sean, tell people where, um, where they can buy your, your product. Because you can get it on your website, but can you get it in any stores locally or is it just like online for you guys right now?
0: Yeah. So, so locally, uh, if anyone's in San Diego, Barron's Markets, and Cardiff Seaside Market are our two biggest uh, areas in the local San Diego area, Uh, and also down at Paleo Treats if you head down to Normal Heights. Um, Online, Amazon. We're an Amazon Prime brand, and we're Amazon's choice, which is really neat, so we get that kind of Amazonian (laughs) validation. And then, of course, our website, bubsnaturals.com. And and also, actually, go over to the feed. Uh, I'm everyone here is a runner. So you're, you're doubtless familiar with the which is a big endurance athlete, uh, nutrition, um, supplement site. So we have a partnership with them and they do their own deep dive on why Bub's collagen and why it works for them, uh, which is really nice because they're runners and, and they're, they're part of the tribe.
2: Nice. Well, this reminds me, I need to get some more, so I'll be hitting you up here afterwards. <laughs> you
0: know where to find me, man. I got you covered. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's all I got for today. I really appreciate. Oh, uh, one more question from Nancy. Uh,
0: how many calories, Sean, are we looking at as far as, um, Ooh, Good um, question. Wait, I'm going to answer that with the internet because if I answer wrong based <laughs> on two scoops, I'm going to feel like a, a dumb guy. So give me one quick second. And, um, by the way, anyone who's a part of this, this group, I'm sure we're all going to follow up later. um, let's all share emails and stuff. Cause if I can help support or share information in any way, um, count me in. Um, but as far as the collagen goes, wait for it, 20 grams equals don't be slow on me, internet. This is a, this is a drag. <laughs> all I know are- very low calorie count. So that's why I, I don't want to say zero and be wrong. Um, uh, 70 total calories per, per 20 grams. Wow. A little higher than zero. <laughs> just, just a bit, but, but not a lot
2: though. That's what's great. No, crazy. no,
0: 70 calories for 20 grams of protein is, uh, and of course, zero sugar, corn-free, gluten-free, non-GMO. And I should actually say we're the only brand that is 100% NSF for sports certified. So we actually work with a bunch of teams um, in Major League Baseball, uh, the NFL, NHL hockey. Um, we actually are certified to work with the U.S. Olympic team. Um, so we we independently test everything that we do just so we can afford the chance to work with athletes at the highest level.
2: Nice. Would So last question, would uh, you suggest you take the same – because you you take it in your coffee every single day. Um, I do. Right? So do you do the same dose, the same tablespoon
0: no. or whatever it is? I used to, I used to just do two scoops a day, every day. And then I, 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 spoke with a protein specialist, actually an MD named Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And she looked at me and she said, well, why don't you take 30 or 40 grams a day? And I said, well, I don't know. I just, I read my own jar and she actually made the recommendation based on activity levels. She said, well, boy, you know, you're, you're running a bunch right now. I'm just ramping up, hopefully to run uh, the New York marathon this year. And she said, you should really be doing 30 grams and scale up to 40. So I would say 20 is a great baseline. And then if your activity dictates it, um, you're, you're not going to go wrong. It's not like a a vitamin where you, you hit a max threshold and then you're doing your body a disservice. You can scale up on collagen, which is nice. Mm. Um, and it's, it's independent to every person. I would pull in a nutritionist to specify that for an individual, but as a as a matter of course, I'm up to 40 grams a day, um, but you know I'm also training up for uh, to really beat the hell out of myself this year.
2: Is a is a dose? Um, is it like per weight? In in the, in the Is like with with weight? Does it matter what the dose is? I guess that's. Just, I mean, if no. Nancy versus me, right? I mean that's right.
0: Nancy might be able to get away with as little as 10 grams, uh, which is one scoop. So we put a scoop in every tub and every bag, one scoop to start. If you notice the effects and you can really feel that change. Great. But again, if I can go at 190 pounds up to 40 grams a day and, and have it be you know just as effective, Nancy might be great at 20. You might be great at 20 as well. Um, and it's really a baseline. So the baseline is designed for all weights, ages, 20 grams is kind of that, hey, you you know you're going to get the effective dose based on that.
2: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening in on the first episode of the Trail Life Podcast. Our special thanks to Nancy Hobbs, Mike Bone, and Sean Lake for joining us today. This episode was once again sponsored by the Endurance Race Series. For all information on their races and to register, please go to EnduranceRaceSeries.com. Music was by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer.